Daily, we receive reminders of the uncertainty of life and of our own human frailty. We are constantly being reminded that there's nothing secure in this world. For all of the scientific knowledge and advances, the technological advances, the artificial intelligence, the space exploration that's been going on, the satellite communications and modern conveniences, not to mention all the economic prosperity, we have learned that the smallest little fracture can create untold insecurity. A microscopic virus can escape a lab in Wuhan, China, killing well over 100 million people worldwide and more are yet to come. This little tiny virus can devastate economies, hinder children's educational development for years, wipe out countless family businesses, bankrupting many of them, and place governments in authoritarian postures at levels never seen before worldwide. We've also watched a little over two years ago a horrendous act of police brutality perpetrated against a black man named George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota, result in a level of rioting in cities nationwide that led to numerous lives lost, billions of dollars of damage to personal property, and theft and looting that have continued to this day at levels never seen before in our country. One half billion dollars alone of damage was done in the Twin Cities where it all originated. And now we're in our, we have in our country a form of lawlessness and it's sort of become, frankly, a form of socialism that leads people to have this level of entitlement to go ahead and take from others whatever they want, a sort of redistribution of wealth. And you can see this, this smash and grab that's going on in these stores all the time and it's, all it's done is heightened our racial and pretensions and, and prejudices in our culture because you can see people's ethnicities and, and skin color when they're doing these activities. It's horrible. We've also watched our political system, including our nation's highest form of law enforcement, be politicized by wealthy individuals and big tech companies to the point where they're controlling and filtering information that even reaches into the general public. And it's a manipulation of the system that brings a level of distrust to our very electoral process. And sadly, one year ago, this led some to storm our nation's capital on January 6, 2022. And all that this has done is deepen the political divide and mistrust in our nation. Then there's all the natural disasters that have wreaked havoc across literally every part of our geography here in the United States of America. There have been tornadoes, there have been hurricanes, there's wildfires and mudslides, there's flooding and cold snaps and blizzards, power outages for days and days on end. And when crises like these strike, we become news obsessed, taking in on a national scale all the information that we can, catching up on the latest reports, and the more we know, the more apprehensive we become. Then there are the astronomical levels 
of illegal border crossings happening on our porous southern border right now. In the last quarter alone, three-fourths of a million people, and that doesn't even count the people that were sent back. So the numbers even higher than that alone have crossed the border and into the United States. And that number is expected to increase well over three-plus million next year. So people are experiencing high levels of anxiety right now in our nation because they know that kind of uh, un check immigration is unsustainable. Not to mention all the human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, gang members, fentanyl that's crossing our borders, much of it coming from foreign countries who are trying to destroy our nation's infrastructure. And do you know the number one killer of people, younger people in America right now, 45 and under, the number one killer in America is fentanyl. The number might reach 100,000 people in a year's time. The Bible tells us, with all that happening, that we should trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not in our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him and he will make our paths straight. The reason the Bible makes such a big deal about God is because God is trustworthy. And why is God trustworthy? Because God is sovereign. God rules over all and God is in control of all things. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 46 verses 8 through 11. And he's speaking to a rebellious Israel right now. So understand that. When we read these verses, you're going you're to see it first and foremost. This is a rebellious Israel. Verse 8. Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God. And there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey. From a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. When the circumstances surrounding us in the world, or even in our lives, seem out of control, we can have complete confidence that God is in control, and that he's orchestrating everything for his eternal purpose. There's nothing that happens in this universe that escapes God's notice. No event is arbitrary or meaningless in God's plan. God moves all things in order to accomplish his will. And this is true for all of human history, from the movement of nations down to the smallest details of our lives. We had a man in our church tell me a story this week that was a pretty uh, unnerving event in his life. Uh, they had family uh, around for the holidays, and he was going to take four of his young grandchildren on a snowmobile ride, leaving from their place in Poplar, traveling to Lake Nebagaman, so I'm assuming they're using trail number two, going through the Dobie Swamp, crossing the Poplar River, and a number of the family members were going to join them in Lake Nebagaman. They were going to eat lunch over there at Patty's Dockside, and so one of those special times as a grandfather, you get to have your grandchildren there. Uh, he had a two up sled with a nice sleigh or sled behind so one of the grandchildren was on the snowmobile with him and then three others were uh, being pulled behind and and what a beautiful time to be out in the woods and all of that and they're traveling through just getting ready to go through the area where the Poplar River goes through and a snowmobile flagged them down and there were multiple snowmobiles there and they told them that they broke through 
And that, in fact, one snowmobile was completely underwater. The lady who was there on the snowmobile, the water was up here to her armpits. I'm not sure she was even touching bottom. And sometimes uh, snowmobile suits will have flotation devices within them, or other times there's just air gets trapped in there, and, and you can float a little bit. But they were able to rescue them, get them out, get their snowmobile out of the... Had they been there 10, 15 minutes earlier, they would have been the ones breaking through with young grandchildren in tow. And you don't care about your snowmobile in a situation like that, but trying to rescue four grandchildren and get yourself out of that predicament, not to mention that you're miles from civilization... And if you get wet, you could get hypothermia and all those other concerns. It was a grandparent's worst nightmare in that situation. And this man told me these words, God was watching over us. This is why the Apostle Paul could say what he said in Romans chapter 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now this doesn't mean that all things are good. I mean, the COVID pandemic sure wasn't and sure isn't good. Accidents are not good. Tragedies are not good. Death and disease sure are not good. And natural disasters that not only destroy property and people's lives, but devastate entire regions, those things are not good. But what this verse teaches is that God is orchestrating everything in the lives of his followers to accomplish his purpose. Verse 29, the very next verse says, for those God foreknew, remember? The sovereign Lord of the universe. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God is working in all the circumstances of our lives to conform us to the image of Jesus, to make us more and more like Christ. And the amazing part of all this is that God hasn't hidden his plan from us. In the Bible, God tells us both what God does and that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And for us, the key when we're going through trials and adversity in life or just periods of uncertainty is to trust God's sovereign control. To believe that God is indeed at work in our lives and, and using the events and the experiences of our lives to transform us into his likeness, which is the greatest good of all in this world, that God is conforming us to the likeness of Jesus. You know, one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to experience in my years of doing ministry is to have to live out what I preach. And there's been many times where something has happened the very week I'm preaching on something, I know what I'm going through and agonizing and studying the text and preparing a sermon and all that, and then I have to go out and live what this is talked about before I even get into the pulpit to preach this message. Well, this past week, my wife Cindy and I had to live this message out in a very big way. Our oldest daughter, Rachel, we lost communication with her about a week and a half ago. She's almost 39 years of age, and she's a vulnerable adult. She has a number of dis uh, uh, disability issues, and one of them is a seizure disorder. And so she could have a seizure, fall, get hurt, and, and no communication with her. We wouldn't know what would happen. And we go through periods where there isn't communication, but there's times where, uh, you know, when we get a long period, we're like, something's, something's not right here. And she lives in public housing in one of the northwest suburbs of the Twin Cities. And this public building had an infestation of bedbugs. 
And so she's a person who is very structured in her life, sacrilegious, really, in, in how she conducts everything. And when things get out of order like that, it's really challenging for her. And then she struggles to ask for help. She's a very fiercely independent uh, person. And so she doesn't like to ask for help. In fact, she will try to solve things on her own. And many times it can be things that are way beyond her capacity. But she still, she's, 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 I mean, she'd charge off a cliff if she had to. She's that kind of bravado and that kind of, so we're, we're concerned that the stress of what she's going through is too and of course we had to have everything treated down there and some of her possessions got rid of and some of them sealed up and, and hauled over to a, a storage facility and all this has been going on and it's created untold stress for her. And, um, and then we are also in the process of moving her into an assisted living place that specializes in helping people with disability issues. So it's the next level of help for her, and all that's happening at the same time, and we need to have some form signed and some other things, and all that disappeared. And we're, we can't figure out what's going on, and we have some time limitations we're facing, and, and so it started to be concerning here uh, last week. And then on Friday, we found out from one of her caregivers that she had asked the caregiver to take her to a homeless shelter. That was news to us. She had done this one other time before in, in her life and gone to a homeless shelter, but she was homeless at that time. Not she, and we had offered to bring her home numerous times during this, this period of time, but she didn't want to accept that help. So all of a sudden, that was new information to us, and so we decided, having no communication, that we needed to contact law enforcement to see if there, they could do a well person check, to just go to an apartment check to see if she's there, if she's okay. Well, Try that on a Friday evening. And for some reason, the northwest suburb she's in, the police department wasn't open. They're, so you have to call 911. You call 911 while we're in Wisconsin. Guess what? We're not connected to the 911 service over there. So that was a fiasco. Back and forth. And, and, and you, you call the numbers they tell you to call. And you go, oh, no, you've got to call 911. We've just done that. And you're back and forth. Finally, we were in contact with the Anoka Ramsey, uh, Anoka uh, Police Department. And they, it's a it's neighboring community. And within three minutes, a police officer, unbelievable, was, was at her apartment. And uh, shining the lights in the window, talked to residents there and everything. They didn't have enough information to go in. And now we're concerned because she could have had a seizure in the bathroom. You can't see into the bathroom from uh, the windows. And you can't even see into the bedroom from the windows. But we're thinking she could have been taking a shower, had a seizure. She's had multiple seizures in the last number of years where she's preparing food and puts her hands right into what she's cooking, right on the stove, right in the pan, frying pan, where burnt her hands severely. That's happened twice. In the last two or three months, we don't know exactly what happened. She fell or something, had a seizure, and threw her back out where she was laid up for a month. And we had her at home and taken her for doctor's appointments and everything for that week or week and a half during that time frame. So we, you know, we're, we're just... And we're, we're appealing to this law enforcement officer, but, you know, we have individual rights. And people have, and so people can live independently. They, they can't just charge into somebody's house with, for no known reason. And, and so there wasn't enough information. So we finally appealed to him and asked if he could please just ping her phone. And all of a sudden they find out that her phone is within a mile radius of the Target Center in Minneapolis. Oh, no. And, you know, and then we, we know that there's a, a shelter over there, 
But we as parents, you can call a shelter, but guess what? They won't give you any information because there's predators and stalkers and everything else. We've done this gig before. We've done this whole deal. But they will if a police officer will call. If the police call and ask for information, they can then give you information. But as a parent, you're powerless and helpless. And so we plead with this officer, but it's not their jurisdiction. It's the Minneapolis police departments. And even they said, oh boy, this isn't good. You know, we're screwed. They're 300 short of police officers in the city of Minneapolis right now. And they had three homicides going on Friday evening. And we're like, oh no. You know, this nightmare is unfolding before our very eyes. It's a parent's worst nightmare. And we ask him if he could please call that shelter. And he calls and tells them, they tell him, yeah, uh, she was here, but she checked out two days ago. And you're like, now she's on the street, or she's, your worst nightmares are, are coming true. And we called everybody, that, you know, our family members, and asking them to pray. I mean, we, we can't even talk. We're wailing and crying and praying and, and not knowing what to do. The next morning, Cindy's two brothers who lived down, we were going to drive down there too, but you want to drive around Minneapolis in the dark at night looking and, and trying to figure out, you know, it was like everything seemed so hopeless. Everything, it was just total, total despair. Well, the next morning, Cindy's two brothers went to the homeless shelter and they pleaded with them there. Again, they won't give you information, but they pleaded with them that she's a vulnerable adult. She has a seizure disorder. We're just trying to find her in case she needs help. And they said, well, you know, the, 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 there was a lady here a, a few days ago that had a seizure and they called an ambulance and they took her to the Hennepin County Medical Center. So they rushed right down there. And uh, sure enough, they found her while she was there. Of course, she was resting and sleeping and, and uh, they were treating her. And, and um, for those of you that know Rachel, she's a devout Packer fan. And her room and the window is right next to the U.S. Bank Stadium and the Minnesota Viking emblems right out her window. So enough to throw her into all kinds of convulsions, probably. But, but you know, uh, it was such a relief. And, and what happened was, it turned out, she lost her phone and her purse, so we don't know if they got stolen at the homeless shelter. Uh, she had a seizure, you, you know, and so she tried to call, but just using the room phones in the hospital which don't take long distance calls and, and not having the wherewithal to just tell a social worker, could you call my parents? So she'd been in there since December 26th and that's why we couldn't make any contact with her. And it had been a horrendous last week and Friday was absolutely brutal. And Cindy and I were wrestling through our own struggles, our own insecurities, you know, and thinking, because historically, when our daughter is under a lot of stress or if she doesn't like or agree with something, she goes off and does her own thing completely. And sometimes uh, just, you know, in spite of what we're trying to do, and all we're trying to do is help her. That's all. We've knocked ourselves out. So it had the feeling of her doing that kind of rebellion. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care what. And that wasn't the case at all. But we didn't know. But we had to wrestle through our own stuff. And then we had to go to bed Friday night uncertain of what was happening, trying to get some sleep in the middle of crying, in the middle of wailing. Cindy's literally on the floor wailing, inconsolable, because all the things you think could have possibly been happened. And, and, then, and then you're just trying to utter out prayers, trying to. The only thing we had left was just to surrender to God. And God sent us an amazing caregiver, 
who gave us a tip that she wanted to go to a homeless center, sent us an incredible police officer who went above and beyond the call of duty. In fact, we called him back yesterday and he, we just sent a text and he wanted to call because he wanted to hear it in person. He, so we had this conversation, but an amazing police officer who went above and beyond. We had a remar- the remarkable technology that can ping somebody's phone and at least give you an idea of where potentially someone could be. An understanding homeless, homeless shelter worker and then two devoted brothers who dropped everything to do what they did so that we could find our daughter. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We did everything humanly possible we could do. We turned every stone. We had people praying. We did everything we could do. But we're helpless. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You know, if we lean on our own understanding, we'll inevitably end up off course in our lives. And yes, there are times when it won't make a lot of sense. But please know that God is trustworthy because God is a sovereign God. God is in control and he's always working on our behalf to conform us to the likeness of his son, Jesus. And something else we need to know about why God is so trustworthy, and Isaiah's already, he's alluded to this, uh, but we're gonna look at another text written by King David, uh, Psalm 42. But it tells us, it shows us in both these passages that God is faithful. In Psalm 42, verses one through five, we read, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. Well, people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. Used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. King David in his lifetime knew a lot of pain and a lot of heartache. He was ridiculed and looked down upon early in life by his older brothers. His enemies wanted to kill him. He spent nearly 10 years of his life and career, and that was when he's supposed to be king even, fleeing from them and hiding out in the wilderness. Sometimes he was even living in caves. Later in life, he even had to flee his own throne in Jerusalem, the city of David, when his own son wanted to usurp the throne. Psalm 42 was written in troubling times. In it, David speaks of deep anguish, deep troubles. Look at verse seven. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. They're crashing in on me. It's threatening to drown me. Verse nine. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? Has God forgotten me? You know, when we face struggles in life, such a message can become our song as well. We can even begin to question God's protection and even God's presence and God's goodness. And like the psalmist here, we can lose hope as the trials mount and the problems increase. 
Yet we see in this psalm, woven throughout it, David's deep desire for fellowship with God and his total confidence that God will be with him during the troubling times. He expresses his deep thirst to know God more and that God is his hope and comfort and ever-present help in times of trouble. Verse eight says, by day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. You know, by the time we reach the end of the psalm, David is no longer in despair. Instead, he has discovered his reason for praise. And you know what? His circumstances hadn't changed. What changed was his perspective of God. And as human beings, trials and difficulties affect us all differently. Cindy and I had that conversation yesterday morning. How before we even knew where our daughter was. How we each needed to cope with this differently. We each handle things like this differently. And we've gone to a therapist many times uh, dealing with our situation with our daughter over the years. And we talked about if we should do that again at this time and what we're going through. But we knew what he's going to say. We reiterated what he would say to us because he told us that many times over in the past. But we all face things and it affects us differently. And that's going to be true in the upcoming year in 2023. To some of us, they are merely speed bumps on the road, inconveniences that absorb our time, slow us down, maybe frustrate us a little. For others of us, it can be life-altering, even earth-shattering. But one thing for certain is that for all of us, these trials and hardships, whatever we face, whatever goes on in our nation, anything like that in this next year, will provide us an opportunity to thirst for God, to lead us, to redirect our focus upon God. Here's the deal. When God becomes the object of our desires, we will find hope and we will find security, even in the midst of turmoil. So in this next year, we're inviting everybody in our church. Our church's leadership wants us all to do this. We're inviting everybody to spend our days trusting God. And if we truly reflect upon God, he will reveal himself to us throughout whatever our circumstances may be. See, God is trustworthy because God is faithful. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Let's pray. God, our Father, we don't know exactly what the future holds. Lord, we, we can look and glimpse and pro, you know, project, and we can look back and see what's happened and, and many challenging things nationally and all those things that have gone on. But we don't know the future. But God, you have told us in your word over and over again that you're the one who holds the future. So God... You've invited us to trust you. And as a church family together, I pray, God, that that would be our, our, our goal. As individuals, as individual families, that that would be our goal in this next year, to trust you, God, with all our hearts. 
Uh, yes, as human beings, you called us to be good stewards and responsible and, and to do everything we possibly can. You've, you've wired us up that way, God. You've created us this way. But not to lean on our own understanding, not to just think that's it, but to look to you, trust in you, and you will make our path straight. You will level everything out. That's what it means. Thank you, God, for that. And Lord, even in the painful moments when you're conforming us to the image of Jesus, the likeness of Jesus, God, we offer praise and thanks in those moments, just as David did in this psalm here. And God, we don't know everything that's gonna come this next year, but we thank, are thankful that we can walk with you through it. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.